Welcome back to the Yak Weekly Podcast. Uh, we start our year uh, going over the vision for the church and um, kind of how we want to frame moving forward. I um, hope you enjoy. Open up the Bible to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. It's one of my favorite psalms. My kids, even Piper, has begun to almost me- completely memorize this one. It's truly adorable. So, blessed in the man who walks not in the council, and then Piper goes, of the wicked. I mean, it's just adorable. Um, so she's already almost got this one down. This would be, I think, a good one for you to memorize, too, as we dive in this year. So turn to Psalm 1. If you don't know where the book of Psalms is, it's in the OT, or the Old Testament. Okay, um, It's one of the largest books in the Bible, so if you turn the pages enough, you'll probably run into it. Okay, It's like Isaiah. So Psalm 1. Okay? Um, for those of you that are new for us, because we got like five, six new faces, we use the ESV. If you use the NIV or any other version, I don't care. But for the year, I'm going to use the ESV. So if you want to get a different, you want to pick up an ESV, you can get it for like five to ten bucks at Mardell. Or you can ask me to buy one for you. I'll buy you a Bible. It's okay. Okay? So let me dive into it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. It's one of my favorite sections of what Piper says that are not. It's adorable. <laughs> and are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregations of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. <laughs> it's adorable. Hey? Take a video. Of I, I will. I'll try to get it. I wanted them to do it this afternoon, but they were so tired. I'm like, I can't do it. So let me pray. Uh, Father God, thank you so much uh, for the, the blessing of time we get to spend together. And most importantly, Lord, we get to spend in your word. Uh, Lord, may we view this as such a rich treasure that you've given, them, given us. May we hold scripture in such high esteem. May we long for the words that you would have to say to our minds and our hearts. Lord, fill us with this living water that you uh invite us to. Uh, Lord, may we thirst for it. In Christ's name, amen. So just before the outbreak of World War I, a small ship named the Endurance set sail from Great Britain with a crew intent on being the first to cross the South Pole. The ship reached Antarctica, but became stuck in the ice of the Weddell Sea. Soon they had to abandon their ship, and the 28-man crew took to their lifeboats, They were trapped on the ice for over a year. A desperate decision was made to take four men in a 20-foot lifeboat across the roughest seas in the world to a whaling station on the South Georgia Island, some 800 miles away. For those of you who know nothing about the South Georgia Islands, which I'm assuming is most of you, it's an island that is 1,600 miles away from the coast of Argentina in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That's the distance from Dallas to Lake Tahoe. Okay? So there's a big gap between big chunk of land, small little island, 
huge C. So he's got this huge target that he needs to hit on a 20-foot lifeboat. They are not shooting for a huge chunk of land. At the helm was a man named Worsley. All he had to guide them those 800 miles to South Georgia Island was a map, a watch, a sextant, and a compass. But it was all he needed if he used them well. A mistake as minor as being off by only one degree would prove disastrous. The four men in that boat endured seas that raged higher than ten-story buildings at times. And they were constantly cold and wet from the waves that constantly drenched their boats. They had only the most meager rations. The journey took them two weeks. But Worsley, whose most sophisticated tool was a compass managed to get that lifeboat the 800 miles to South Georgia Island, and eventually the entire crew of the Endurance was saved. As a result, Worsley was a hero. The whaling captains who sailed those waters considered him one of the wisest navigators in the world. Worsley was brilliant, but all of his brilliance would have been worthless if not for his compass. Worsley was wise because he used the compass to guide him. The ancients believed that there are two types of people in the world. People who are fools and people who are wise. Being wise is a matter of using the compass you've been given to get where you need to go. Fools choose not to use the compass. So I don't have detailed notes on your yak sheets today, but if you would like to take notes on your yak sheet, you can do it underneath the verse. You can do it on the back of your sheet. This is the last week I put the verse on the yak sheet for you. So bring your Bibles. Okay? So the Bible regularly divides people into two types of groups. One, the wise and the foolish. The wise and the foolish. Two, those people who seek God and those who seek everything else. Those people who seek God and those who seek everything else. Three, those who praise God and those who scoff at God. Those who praise God and those who scoff at God. Are you seeing the similarities between the wise man and the foolish man? If we are going to live out the vision of our church, which is to be captivated, transform, and gift away the gospel, we must make sure we are in the right category. We must approach the scriptures as a compass and pull from what the truths Jesus would have us know. We must know how to be wise and how not to be foolish. Here are three things we are going to talk through tonight. So here's the three-point outline like a good Presbyterian. Verses 1 and 2. Are you defined by the wind or the compass? Again, that's verses 1 and 2. Are you defined by the wind or the compass? If you are a visual learner or a... What's the type of learner where you're moving? Kinesthetic. Kinesthetic uh, learner? That one too. If you're those two, take notes. If you're an audio learner, like 10% of the population, which means two of you in here, and I'm one of them, you can listen. If not, get in the habit of taking notes. It'll help you learn, especially as you study the scriptures. Okay? So again, if you're a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner, begin to learn how to take notes. Part two, verses three and four, be firmly planted. Be firmly planted. That's a hard concept in North Texas. The soil so bad. Verses five and six, 
there are two finish lines. Two finish lines. Notice the Texas two. Two finish lines. Okay. So Psalm 1 begins with the paradigm of the wise and the fool. One, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. In regards to being a man or a woman who willingly listens to the counsel of the wicked, you probably say to yourself, that surely is not me. That's not me. Or one that I have heard over and over again in my decade of ministry now is this one, especially from you guys. That is, that could never be me. That could never be me. I could never do fill in the blank that sense. That one's for really bad people. I can never be counted with that type of wickedness. Let me give you this warning. Every alcoholic and recovering alcoholic I've ever talked to has never set out to be an alcoholic. I've never met anyone who set out one morning as a 17-year-old to waste a decade or their whole life behind the neck of a bottle. Not, not one has had that goal in mind. It has always started out with this. This will make it so I don't have to deal with my problems. Or, come on, man, it's just one drink. Don't be a loser. It has always been a fear of dealing with reality or a fear of someone thinking less of them. So they listened to the counsel of the wicked for fear of being scoffed at. And they drank till they don't remember. Now, this is not a sermon on the dangers of alcohol, but the alcoholic can teach us something about the dangers of sin. It always starts with association. And once you get comfortable with associating with something, you more than not have no problem indulging in that something. I'm going to say that phrase again. It always starts with association. And once you get comfortable with associating with something, you more than not have no problem indulging in that something. You don't just wake up one day as a 17-year-old saying, having no idea, and I never even heard, even heard of what alcohol is, and saying, I'm getting hammered! <laughs> like, you don't. Like, it starts with association, starts with being super comfortable with it, it starts with tolerating it with other people, and then it's off the cliff. But I'm not just, again, talking about alcohol. I'm talking about hanging out with gossips, hanging out with people who throw around sexual discussion, Hanging around with people that actively engage in sexual activity. Pornography. Hanging out with those that worship money. Hanging out with those who are always the victim. Hanging out with those who serve the latest drug trend. It is always intimate association that becomes intimate engagement. It is always intimate association that becomes intimate engagement. Now, tomorrow, when you see that friend at school or club that I just explained... Don't say to them, we can't hang out anymore because my youth pastor told me to. Don't you dare twist my words. <laughs> Tuesday. Or at work. Okay? And don't twist scripture. Jesus hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes. But he was not defined by them. Why? <gasps> Look at verse 2. His delight was in the law of the Lord. In all his law, he meditates day and night. How many times did the disciples wake up? Uh, say to one another, hey, Peter, did you see where Jesus went? 
Ah, he's, he's out praying with pops. I don't know why I just made the other Judas in New York. But, but how many times do we see it in Scripture? Oh, he's gone to be with the Father. Oh, he's off praying. We see that over and over and over again. Why? Because he was defined by the Scriptures. And being able to be defined by the Scriptures made him to have be able to influence and love those who are not. So what do you take more delight in? The words of your friends whom you know delight more in the things of this word? Or in time spent with God in the word? What do you take more delight in? Number two, be firmly planted. This starts in verse three. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. When you think of my home state of Florida, it's my people. I'm sure some of the first things you think about are the beaches. And the only thing about the interior you might think about is a small talking mouse. Oh boy! <laughs> my favorite part of my state is also the interior. But it's the beautiful cypress forests that run through the many rivers that flow through the state. If you're ever there in the fall or early spring, I highly suggest canoeing the interior. It's gorgeous. If you've never seen a cypress tree, many of the roots are above ground and they spread out everywhere water has a chance to be. Many are completely immersed in the water, while others sit partially on the banks of the river and partially in the water. The roots are great places for large fish and reptiles, if you know what I mean, to hide out. Because they continue to produce more roots, they spread out over time. And when drought hits, they are less likely to suffer much damage. Even if the river dries up for a period, because they are so grounded with their root system, they are less likely to topple when the storm comes. And when the river comes back, they are the first to taste the richness of the water. Do you drink in the word like that? Are you reaching out to be firmly planted in it? As you grow, do you seek more rich water? Is it something you can't live without? Or are you a bad cup of tea? Are you a bad cup of tea? Troy Burst shares this great analogy about a good and a bad cup of tea. Consider the difference. Between a strong cup and a weak cup of tea. Same ingredients, water and tea, are used for both. The difference is that a strong cup of tea results from the tea leaves immersion in the water longer, allowing the water more time to get into the tea and the tea into the water. The longer the steeping process, the stronger the cup of tea. In the same way, the length of time we spend in God's word determines how deeply we get into it and it gets into us. Just like the tea... The longer we are in the word, the stronger we become. The stronger to what? Where are we going? Are we just needing to wake up in the morning and need a caffeine fix so we pop on tea? Three. What are the two finish lines? Here's verses five and six. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Where are you going? The first four verses will tell you. 
Like the man with the compass, you can travel long distances over rough waters with the right instruments. Or you can be that scoffer that never leaves the harbor or decides he can do it on his or her own. If we want to be a community that is captivated, transformed, and gifts away the gospel, it will not start at Yak on Sunday nights. It will start with your commitment to soak in the scriptures. If you think you can do it on your own, I warn you, you are not among the people of God. Turn to Christ and not to your own devices to navigate the waters of life. You can spend your whole life ignoring the words of God, but that only leads to destruction. Follow the words that lead to life. Let me finish with this amazing story about a guy named Clyde Thompson. Clyde's father was a Bible salesman. When he was old enough to stay home alone, he began refusing to go to church with the rest of his family. Most Sundays, while his family was in church, Clyde was hunting. One Sunday afternoon in 1929, when he was 17 years old, he met some men in the woods. And for some reason, Clyde killed the men. So at the age of 17, he was the youngest man in Texas history to be sentenced to death in the electric chair. Two years later, he became the youngest man on death row at Huntsville Penitentiary. As the date of his execution neared, Clyde listened to a radio preacher and asked for the man to come to the prison and baptize him. The preacher came and Clyde was baptized. Legal complications kept him from being executed. Unfortunately, though, things began to go very badly for him, and he was worked so hard at the prison work farm that he disowned the faith he believed, he, he believed, he believed once saved him. He began trying to escape, and a number of prisoners were killed while trying to escape with Clyde. Clyde was shot through the shoulder in one of the attempts. While on death row, he got into a fight and killed two other prisoners, making a total of four people he had killed. As the years passed, Clyde Thompson was tagged by his own prison mates as the meanest man in the state of Texas. That was his nickname. He developed such a terrible reputation inside death row that they put him in isolation. Clyde was put in an old building that used to be the morgue. A steel door was put in place, and the only opening was about a four square, uh, was about four square with bars. There was no running water and no electricity. Because this morgue sat nearly two, between two very tall buildings inside the prison, daylight could only enter for six hours each day. After being in isolation for two or three months, Clyde asked a guard to bring him a Bible. He knew they wouldn't give him anything else to read, but he was bored. He just wanted something to read. He decided he would try to prove the Bible wasn't from God because it was full of contradictions. At least that's what he had heard. But the more he studied it, the more he became convinced it was God's truth. He came to realize that Christianity was man's only hope, and he repented in tears on his knees day and night for months. Clyde kept reading the Bible and asking God if he could forgive such a wretch like him. A change began to came over Clyde Thompson. The guards noticed it. Later, he was released from the morgue to return to death row. Yes, death row is a step up from the morgue. There on death row, he taught and baptized eight other prisoners. He made such an impression on prison administration that they were finally released him from death row and let him go among the general population of the prison. Klein continued to study his Bible, and he took a two-year Bible course from a college in Tennessee. He became a chap the chaplain's right-hand man to his assistant. Eventually, after more than 28 years in prison, the state of Texas gave him a lifetime parole. On the outside, Clyde went straight to Lubbock County Jail, one of the largest county jails in Texas, and he began a chaplaincy program there. Clyde died of a heart attack in July of 1979. 
It was Clyde Thompson who will go down in God's record book as one of the greatest soul winners his present generation had ever known. It was Clyde Thompson, the meanest man in the state of Texas, who literally led hundreds of men, women, and boys and girls out of the streets of alcoholism, out of the streets of drugs, and onto the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. It was this man, Clyde Thompson, the meanest man in the state of Texas, who was transformed when he allowed the word of God and the love of God to take hold of his life. Will you allow it to do the same for you? Will you allow it to do the same for you? Thanks for tuning in to another Yak Podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can find us at cccfrisco.org. Um, the music you're hearing in the background is from one of our students. I would definitely want to give him credit. His name is Sam Miller. Um, this is his future punk mix. So I hope you enjoy it. It's going to close us out for the evening. And I uh, hope you uh, join us again next week.